Attention everyone, this is an emergency broadcast. The loud frequency coming from your radio is not a mistake. Do not turn off your radio, but instead turn up your radio as loud as it can go. Do this so we can broadcast this frequency as loud as possible. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. And welcome to another episode of Game Stuff. I'm your gaming gal, Kalai, and with me today is Roberto. What's up, Roberto? Doing good. Pretty good. Feeling rested. Took a nice long nap. Um, doing pretty okay in this brisky fall NJ day. I gotta tell you, summer just disappeared. It's cold now. And I'm also joined by Corey. What's up, Corey? Not much. Uh, just getting more of my stuff set up for the world record that I continue to talk about. Um, it's actually moving forward. And just to let you guys know, I also started uh, streaming for the Proven Gamer Network um, on the Proven Gamer Twitch uh, page. So if you guys ever want to check it out, um, you can catch us there. Uh, me and Joe are going to be alternating or sometimes we'll just be streaming and then we'll actually play games together. So come check us out. Uh so for those of you that are new for this podcast, well, this is a conversational podcast for gamers by gamers about gaming. This week's topic of the show is we're going to be st- talking about physical versus digital conventions since everything's been moving a lot to online with uh, the whole COVID thing and our reactions. Um, but before we get started, let's uh, head over to our backlog beatdown and see how everybody is doing. We have JT with 91, Joseph Priestley with 61, Gareth with 26, James McCall with 25, CJ Anderson with 22, Daryl with 21, Tricky Mick with 19, Homer Gets Stuff with 16, T-Bird with 8, Glenn with 7, Jim with 6, William with 3, Zachary Ledford with 3, Derek with 1, Joshua Craps with 1, Simon Brackville with 1, Zachary Ledford with 1, Andrew Middlemoss with 0, Frosty at minus three, Roberto at minus three, Veronica at minus four, Corey at minus six, Levi at minus 24, and I'm at minus 58. So thank you for everybody that's participating and uh, feel free to um, keep playing those games. Lead in from the back, hey, Cly? I-, I am. That's, 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 you know, that's where you're supposed to lead, isn't it? I guess so. Yeah, you got to show people that it's okay to buy games sometimes. Mm-hmm. Or new systems, you know. Um, okay, so let's go with what we've been playing. Roberto, what have you been playing? Okay, I've been playing a whole bunch of games. Um, we'll start off with uh, just a moment here. Um, no, it's just like I was about to tell you, and it's on the tip of my tongue. Just a second, just a second, just a second. Um, oh, I got started on Dragon's Crown. Dark, uh, excuse me, Dragon's Dogma, Dark Arisen. Yeah, I was going to say, didn't you play Dragon's yeah. Crown already? Uh, yeah, I've been, that's been on the tip of my tongue. I've been flipping with that all the time because it's Dragon, you know, Dragon Crown, Dragon Quest, Dragon Dogma, Dragon everything. So I just got started. I completed the first big quest and I got my pawn in the game. It, I'm kind of playing it to 
hype myself up for the upcoming anime that comes out this uh, later on this week. And so far, it's cool. I'm just like, I think that where my mindset has changed as a gamer growing up is I want to have like the armor now and like the powers now, but you know, you, you literally start off with like just a basic rusty sword and just a few companions and you have just a couple of robes, garbs of robes. And now you have to go on quests and stuff like that in order to be able to level up your character and equip. So I'm going to probably get started like, in, you know, maybe tonight and play it more, but so far so good. It's a very unique and interesting fantasy legend. It's a much faster action. It's uh, the premise of the game is in this fantasy realm, a dark, sinister, apocalyptic dragon emerges from the depths of of another magical realm, a dimension, if you will. And it's destined that this dragon is to destroy the entire world. Now, your main hero, which you can customize, by the way, to be male or hero, male, female, and body type, and so on, is is a challenger to the dragon. In challenging the dragon, the dragon selects you as an arisen. You are now, by doing so, he actually takes a claw and basically like Indiana Jones, Temple of Doom, Kali Ma style, takes your heart and eats it. Now you're forever destined to fight this dragon or else, well, the dragon, either you're going to turn into a monster or the dragon's going to destroy the world. So it's, uh, it's a cycle. So now, as an Arisen, your objective is to fight the dragon. To do so, you have to get uh, not only fight enemies, but you have to summon pawns. Uh, pawns are basically party uh, companions that join you um, throughout your quest, and they actually can come from other people's games. And uh, they're also from this different realm that just shows up. <laughs> it's, never, it's not quite explained yet. Um, so far, it's good. You know, it's different. I like it. It takes some getting used to. I just have to just start like sinking my teeth and cutting my teeth into it and start unlocking more stuff. But uh, so far, so good. Did, um, it is from Capcom, by the way. And some people have compared the action to be like Devil May Cry a bit. Um, so anyways, uh, have you guys like, you know, played Dragon's Dragma? Heard of it? 100%. The game is amazing. I... Uh, one of the cool mechanics is actually a lot of people... Uh, see this game as the original version of what made uh, um, what made the um, the grappling mechanic in Monster Hunter uh, one of the things. So one unique thing about this game is you at any point in time uh, can jump onto a monster and then grapple onto it and hold onto it and start smacking it and slashing it and everyone can do it. And so it's it's a very interesting mechanic to use. And like I say, with the pawns being that you can have your pawns from other people's games, it's a great mechanic for sure. I love that game. So I've actually never played uh, Dragon's Dogma. Is it a role-playing game? Or like what type? Like I don't understand what type of game it is. Definitely RPG. Uh, open world. Action. Uh, hack and slash is described in the Wikipedia. It's, so it's not, it's not like... Maybe Devil May Cry is a bit of a stretch. It's not that wild and fast and crazy. Uh, but how there's a stamina bar, but it's not like Dark Souls or Demon Souls either. So uh, you can actually like, grab onto the enemies. Um, I fought a troll in particular, and I grabbed them to his back and just started hacking away. And It'd be then... like Monster Hunter. It's, it's just like imagine being like Monster Hunter in the sense that you can... Uh... 
uh, play like Monster Hunter, and then it's just more of a story-based Monster Hunter game and more of like smaller enemies instead of being big giant monsters all the time. Oh, that's cool. Uh, so that's Dragon's Dogma, Dark Arisen. It's also on the Switch. The next game I'm going to also bring up is <laughs> uh, Fortnite. <laughs> yeah, I saw you playing that. I actually have to upload um, video clips to Facebook. I don't know how I'm going to do it because now the integration's been removed. But all right, so Fortnite, I actually played back in 2017. There was a single player campaign with trophies, and there's actually a platinum trophy to it, apparently. And I thought it was cool. It wasn't really my top cup of tea. I didn't finish the campaign. I just wasn't really like, I wasn't having it. Something about it just wasn't clicking with me. And then my my nephew is 10 years old and naturally, you know, he hangs out with kids at school and he watches cartoons and Disney Channel. So eventually Fortnite was going to come down the vine and be this thing that he could play. And the parents said, okay, he downloaded it and he's been playing Battle Royale and trying to figure out how to do this, that and the other thing all on his own. Him and me have played video games for years, you know, and. Uh, one of the first gaming memories we had was Altered Beasts. When um, uh, when he was like two years old, we were feeding him, and I was playing Altered Beasts, and he started like cracking up, laughing hysterically because in Altered Beast, when you rise from your grave, when you punch the enemies, there's like a sound effect, you know, psh, psh, and then the enemies explode on screen. So he just, for some reason, as a as a two year, as a year or two year old he thought that was the funniest thing ever. So he would just be rolling on the floor, laughing at like the sound effects of that. But I play Earth Defense Force and other games with him. So I said, all right, you know what? He has online, obviously, you know, maybe I've been itching to play Fortnite. Let me give it a try. And I gotta say it. I, I, I have to confess it is a fun game. If you have, I mean, granted, it's fun when you're with someone. I don't know about solo. I never played solo, but when you're with your best friend or I don't know, a nephew, a brother, a daughter, whatever, it's a lot of fun because it's just, it's this loony, zany, completely bonkers game that would feel completely at home in a, in a frat house or a sorority house for some reason. I don't know why I keep thinking of that when I think of this game. Um, with its cartoon colors, its visual design, it's it's a lot of in visual enjoyment. And when you're in a taxi cab and your best friend is dressed up as a Christmas tree and he has a, a machine gun and you're driving around a battle rail map to Gundam style, that's when everything really starts to click. That's exactly what happened on Saturday. We, uh, or Sunday, I should say. Or no, actually, that was, I think it was Friday. We were driving around to Gundam style. And I was like, okay, okay, you got me, Fortnite. We actually scored number three uh, in the Battle Royale on Sunday. We got number one. I died, but he uh, carried the mantle because we played in teams. There's this Marvel integration right now. So, like, you can use, like, my Iron Man's Laser Gauntlet or Dr. Doom's, like, you know, Terror Bomb or whatever. And, um, you know, he showed me how to get the weapons, how to, how to travel, how to use the vehicles. Uh, fighting the there's like little robots that you can fight and hack that that become that join your side, all sorts of stuff. It's just this weird, bonkers, crazy game. Um, and I had a lot of fun. <laughs> so, uh, 
Have you guys thought about playing like Fortnite like on the Switch by yourselves or, you know, like anything like that? Or is like, what's the appeal to Fortnite for you guys? I'll, I'll admit. Oh, Kali, I was going to say, you're going to go first? No, I was going to say, this is all you, Corey. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, no. Um, uh, me and Joe both played the single player version of Fortnite. And actually, that's my more favorite version of what Fortnite is, uh, is the save the world mode. A campaign but the problem is that campaign takes like something like 300 and something hours to complete so haven't done it yet i'm only about 50 percent of the way through um Wait, what? 300 yeah. hours yeah it's a long campaign because no so I, the, I just see a couple of missions there no 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 so the way it works when you do a couple missions like each mission is the mission itself is like do this 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 and that's the mission that one mission could be you doing seven eight nine ten worlds so when you're doing in total i think it's like 62 missions or something like that like to complete a, it's like so there's nine worlds i think or areas and then each area has something like 10 or 12 missions and then each one of those has however many levels you could be playing hours upon hours upon hours of that game um it's fun i like the the battle royale is fun for a battle royale but for me it's just it was fun in the beginning i just really don't like the build mechanic and especially yeah, when you tried to, oh my god i tried to gun some guy and he's like let me just build some walls and i kept shooting him and he kept and, I, and eventually yeah. he took me down i was just like damn yeah so when you start playing uh, the, the problem that happened with that game is once you got into the cross play side of it um when they started having pc players pc players um by far are the most if you play like on ones like i'm guessing you were both playing on switches playstation 4 okay so you're both having played playstation 4 right yeah so you're you were playing on the playstation only servers if you're playing on a on a single console server they 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 enabled uh cross play and i hit yes oh you, you okay well that's when it gets scary but most of the, the positive side with fortnite nowadays is most of the competitive players play singles not duos so that's probably what saved you but uh when you play against pc players it just becomes a mad dash to see who can build a wall the fastest and up a chain and like it's it's fun don't get me wrong i just find that what fortnite's become is more of a hey you like this random thing it's not really a competitive game anymore it's just uh here's a bunch of random things and we're just going to put a bunch of things we think people will like and throw it into a game and there you go welcome to fortnite um it's kind of the reason why i moved away from fortnite and play more things like apex legends or warzone uh or the new uh one by ubisoft uh hyperspace um yeah, just hyperscape, because it's, yeah. yeah it, they're just more competitive and if I'm going to play a battle royale, I like the competitiveness, but obviously don't like cheaters. But that's where, like I say, Fortnite, I find is the reason why Fortnite's this big thing is it is nice now because there are so many when I was playing it before in battle royale, that was when it was the, the new thing. So you didn't get kids playing it. You got grown adults. And when you're competing in a match of 100 people and everyone's been they're like growing adults playing the game it was super competitive and the odds of you getting in top 10 you had to like hide in a bush most of the time just to get up there whereas now with so many kids and the iphones and all that playing uh it's not as hard i almost thought about playing battle royale again on that game but for me it's just 
I don't know. I like the more realistic, the less buildy ones, but that's just me. Yeah. Um, I have to try out those other ones. Um, I think I'm starting to warm up to that just because everyone's playing those like BR games and, um, you know, those free to play things. I mean, now like my jam has been world of tanks. I gotta say that's been, that's been a lot of fun, um, for a lot of good reasons. So, um, but yeah, so, so far, I mean, I, I, uh, I did discover that the single player campaign for Fortnite, the PVE can actually be played cooperatively. Uh, like you said, so on PlayStation. So I think uh, I'll see if I can try and get my nephew to get involved and just to see something different. And also because it has voice work and a story. And, you know, I just figure, you know, it's something good to do there. So, um, yeah. So <laughs> go Fortnite. Um, uh, okay. And I got two more just to share very quickly. Um, well, oh, <laughs> I, I kind of wish uh, Joe was here. I am incredibly stupendously stunned, shocked, and surprised at how good Power Rangers Battle for the Grid is. Wow. This is Joe's, like, favorite fighter of the year. This is... I I would probably double his enthusiasm twice, tenfold, maybe. I was stupendously, astronomically surprised at how good this is. So... For those that don't know, Joe has mentioned this before. Battle, battle, Power Rangers Battle for the Grid is a fighting game themed to Saban's Power Rangers. Now, normally, common rule in video games is that a licensed game might not be so good. And I'm thinking, okay, this is a fighting video game. I have seen terrible licensed fighting video games. Like, there was a Beast Wars Transformers one that was painfully not good at all. And among many other fighters out there. And this one came and I was like, okay, um, it has a third season. It has some DLC. I'm like, okay, so this thing has legs, so it's got to be good. I love this game immensely. And it's like, you don't even have to be the biggest Power Rangers fan. If you're a big Power Rangers fan, then by all means, this is going to be like the Super Smash Brothers ultimate to you. But um, if this is like, but if, if, if you're someone who's just like, maybe you watched the movie and the original one in the 90s, you should still get this game. So it's a fighting game. It has, uh, could be either one-on-one or it can have teams. So it's a little bit like Marvel versus Capcom. Like you could have a team of three. And the game really relies on simple combos that can still become combos. Like I got like a four or eight hit combo in this game. So that's already something really good. I mean, I'm going to admit, um, <laughs> fighting games kind of intimidate me now because to really pull off the cool stunts, you need to memorize combos and the input has to be extremely quick. I tried to play Injustice on the Vita, for example, and in order to be able to use Batman's harpoon, you had to like use the down left D pad and then like triangle square or something really quickly. And that was just again to use the, uh, the, 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 not the batarang, the, the cable, the the you know little yeah, harpoon the, cable that he uses. So, um, pulling hook, the back grab. Yeah, the back. Yeah, that that, that I knew there was the a name for it. The trick is with the Roberto, just to give you a little hint. With all those fighting games, if they tell you to push down and then right, you do not have. You can roll, is the way you get away from it. So you just roll your thumb. Yeah. So you thumb. don't <laughs> have to. You don't have to push down forward then the button. You can just roll it. And um, I don't know why. Um, they, they still, to this day, Mortal Kombat, 
like it used to be like that where you had to push down and left. Um, they have changed it where if you do roll, it still does the same thing. I don't know why they haven't changed it internally. That just says, hey, look, you can just like you look at Street Fighters. It just says roll your finger like it just makes it easier. So. Right. So now um, I agree. So this one, um, it still is pretty intense. I'd have to say it's it's definitely not some kind of a pushover. It's, uh, you know, there's there's some really sick combos that you can pull off and then they can really. And then if you can combine that with the team and tag team type thing, then it could save your bacon in the, in the in matches. So I started off playing the single player and spent an hour in the single player campaign. It deals with Lord Dracon basically stabbing Rita Repulsa and launching basically Spider-Man into the Spider-Vesh across Earth and the universe and the Power Ranger universes. And I have to say, the voice work's actually pretty good. It's like pretty authentic to the show. Like the, there's Kim and there's Tommy. And uh, yo, they had at one point, uh, Goldar, the the golden gargoyle guy, shows up and he has like that raspy voice, like Rangers, I'm gonna get you. Like that whole thing is back. I'm like, that has to be the original voice actor that did that. There's no way they could replicate that. And I was just, this is cool. This is like really cool. And then the combat is just, it's it's not style over substance. It's style and substance. It looks great. The controls feel good. I mean, there was a couple moments where I was like man- mindlessly mashing buttons, but only when things got really crazy and frantic and visually the game is sharp there with the details. It didn't skip a beat. It didn't slow down. It didn't crash on me. Like it's a really refined experience. Now as a competitive game, there's online multiplayer naturally to fight. And this is where things got, <laughs> I don't know if I got lucky or if this is really impressive or what. So let me tell you what happened very quickly. I decided to do online matchmaking. So I fought three rounds with uh, AI opponents, I guess, to warm me up, or so to speak. And then I had a licensed, uh, or no, a ranked player. And the ranked player was level 171. I was level zero. I said, all right, Roberto, you're about to, you know, you're, you're, you're about to become fertilizers for the lawn outside. And I don't know if this guy was holding back, but... That was some of the most intense four or five minutes of my life. I went, I had Lord Zordon, this one Power Ranger who was like, she had like an ice snow wand. Her whole thing was about nature. And then another one who looked like the Power Rangers from the movie from a few years ago, if you remember. And I went to battle, man. And like, I just like, I, I creamed this guy as Lord Zordon. Then I was uh, the girl, the, then I was like the snow, snow girls, Power Ranger. She went down and then something really cool happened. As you fight, you have superpowers, so naturally you can initiate like really devastating attacks. But the other thing is that you can use the Megazord in combat. But it's not like a one-shot thing, like a like a like getting the Smash Ball. You activate it, and then it happens over the span of so many moments. So you could be once you activate it, you can like be fighting, and then a Megazord's foot just stomps, and you'll be fine because it's yours. But for the enemy, it's devastating. Like they can just get stomped, or like you get like the spike, like the you know how like the the one Megazord has like a tail and it's like a drill, and it just it just goes through the whole screen and can just drill the hell out of your opponent. So it was it was some wild stuff. I gotta say, like that was that was crazy. And I eventually defeated him. I said, "Wow." <laughs> so, um, yeah, that was that was really really cool. I'd have to say, uh consider very much so i'd recommend 
putting Power Rangers either into your backlog or picking it up right now. It's great. It's action-packed. It's easy. It's accessible. If you've been looking for a fighting game for if you're a parent and you've been looking at it for your kids, I strongly recommend it. Or even just if you're not even all, whether you're experienced in fighting games and you fought Sonic Fox himself or you're just a guy who plays for casual, you really should pick this up. It's on PS4, Switch, PC. I believe it's Xbox. Also, it's also PS now. Yeah. Um, yeah. Do, do not miss out on Battle Ra- Power Rangers Battle for the Grid. And the last game I'm going to talk about, actually, uh, I was reviewing under Embargo and I can talk about it now. Hot Shot Racing. How is it? I looked at the video. It looks like kind of like a combination of the old, like Daytona 2000 racing and um, the um, uh, oh, what was that game? Where the, basically the drift game in in all PlayStation, where it was just constant drifting, inertial drift or, or, or not initial drift. Uh, I know zero drifting. By the way, um, actually, Corey, if you don't mind, let me just walk it back a little bit. I just I kind of made a mistake here. Um, I meant to ask uh, uh, Kalai, have you like what? Do you like Power Rangers at all, or uh, what's your experience? Or does it something? Ah, and I don't like fighting games either, and I don't like racing games. Yeah, this is the this is the <laughs> hey, this part. is the Roberto. Hey, what have you been playing that Kalai won't like this week? Is what the kind of topic you've kind of gone on over here? <laughs> it's all right. It happens. Not everybody plays games like not everybody plays racing games, but that's all right. Some some of our listeners like racing right. games. Except We're Dragon's Dogma, because I think I think Kalai would like Dragon's Dogma, but um, true, true. yeah. So, but no, I mean, I'd say give that one a chance if you can. But in any case, um, uh, yeah. So let me go back to Hot Shot Racing then. So yes, so Hot Shot Racing is a video game that has very much been inspired by this golden moment in racing video games uh, that was that there was this moment that's often overlooked. The moment is that video games started to go full 3D, polygonal, polygons, triangles, things like that. And that was a huge deal at the time. And I think now, looking at it, I'm surprised I wasn't more surprised at it. I was just kind of like, I remember, like for example, when Super Mario 64 came out, and I used to be amazed in Toys R Us, but... There's people who like were stunned and shocked to see this. It's like I thought it was cool, and I think it just kind of hit me. I don't know what it was. I mean, I it's I had a weird impact, but I, I, was, I was surprised nonetheless. The same thing goes with the rest of the games that came out at the time. We had uh, Daytona USA, we had uh, House of the Dead, we uh, and then there was um, Formula One Racer, which I, I remember seeing some footage of back in the day. This is a time that was really innovative because you were now having lightning fast gameplay and cool colors, and now you have 3D worlds. Other examples would, I would include are Super Stunt FX, Vortex, and this arcade game that was at the Eatontown Roller Rink, um, Hard Driving, I think it was called. Like That's a game where you sit in the arcade cabinet and you, you have to turn the key to turn on the car, and then the, the steering wheel has like weight. So like you're like you're driving a real car. And I remember just being in camp and just like purposely wiping out because it was just a lot of fun. <laughs> but anyways, so Hotshot Racing is uh very silky smooth, 60 frames per second, fast straight racing with this polygonal style. It comes from Sumo Digital. 
These are the guys behind the Sonic Racing games. And so already, you know, you have a pretty damn good team responsible for the racing. Uh, Now, you have a variety of characters to choose from. Each of them has their own little single-player campaign and story behind it with some voice work. The game can be played in third-person and first-person and features things like turbo, drifting, and so on and so forth. The game does also get some inspiration from uh, Ridge Racer. Like, there's a that over-obnoxious announcer, Oh no! You're running out of time! Or, Checkpoint! And it's, uh... Well, it's cool. Also, that, that was the game I was thinking of through PlayStation that has the crazy amount of drifting. Yeah. Because <laughs> it's Ridge Racer. Ridge Racer! So, um, yeah, there was that. And it's, uh, yeah. It, it was, I mean, I had a very good time with it. I just had to play online and, and check out the servers and see what's up on the servers because that's where the game's going to get its legs. But the game is is very strong in what it's able to do. It has great a great soundtrack, great characters, um, excellent, uh, excellent, uh, you know, uh, gameplay things of that sort. It's 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 good. I mean, I really had a good time playing this one, and um, I definitely have to say that if you're digging a racing game right now, definitely consider checking it out. Uh, currently, it is on the Nintendo Switch. It is on a PlayStation Four. I believe it's on Xbox and PC. And that's going to do it for me. So uh, we'll move on to you, Corey. Um, I mean, what have I not been playing? No, just joking. Uh, I continue to play Marvel Avengers. Um, I don't know. This game's got me hooked. Uh, I don't know if it's being a superhero that's got me hooked. I, I think a lot of it just has to do with playing with friends. Uh, me and Andy from Dual Screens uh, have literally been playing nonstop. We actually had one day where we were playing so much that I'm like, Andy, I'm going to go to bed and you should probably go to bed too. He's like, just one more mission. And then we ended up doing one more mission. And then that was two more missions. Um, and then it ended up being three missions. And then we looked at the time and uh, it was four o'clock in the morning. Um, so Andy's like, yeah, I can't do that again. Um, but yeah, no, this game keeps on. I-, I know there's a lot of people that are upset with the uh, AI. There's still some frame rate issues uh, here and there. Um, it's got little technical glitches with some things, but I mean, in all sense, this is just a game where you get to be some of your favorite superheroes, um, play the game, and the way that they're talking about doing the DLC characters and the idea that when they come into the game, they're going to have their own unique storyline that's going to be like a, they haven't said time-wise, but it's still its own storyline of how you unlock that character and bringing them into the Avengers, so it's kind of an ongoing story once you've beat the game, which is kind of really neat. And I'm really excited for that. Um, other than that, I beat a couple games this week as well. Um, I know I haven't updated the backlog beatdown. Um, I will be honest. Part of that is just because I've been a little lazy on my end. The other part of that is, is that I, I, I really just want to more or less go, Hey, look, here's all the games I bought. Here's all the games I beat. It's zero. Um, <laughs> but I haven't got to that point yet. Um, I will be updating before the next week's episode for sure. So then Kalai can actually have a proper number to say, um, I'll probably still take a couple hits. Uh, but I played Far Cry three classic edition. Um, it was something we got as a pre-order bonus when we bought Far Cry five. Um, it's just a remastering of three. 
Um, it also makes me remember why I love five so much and why I never beat three is because there's a lot of uh, there are issues with three. It's not a terrible game. It just has parts that um, just don't work very well. Um, and I beat all the Spyros. So Spyro, uh, Spyro, the first Spyro, Spyro 2, Ripto's Revenge, and Year of the Dragon. I beat every single one of those. Um, if you haven't played the Spyro collection games, uh, you should pick it up next time it's on sale on PlayStation, which I'm assuming it will be on sale again uh, sometime soon. And then uh, the last thing I played was I played Borderlands 3, um, the new DLC. I haven't beat it yet, uh, where you get to go into the mind of the Psycho Bandit, Craig. Um, oh, yeah. I just started the first DLC pack. So you just started the... Yeah, the the casino. The casino. Yeah, I, yeah, we didn't get very far because we started and my friend wants to buy a house in my neighborhood. But yep. one was going on the market. They didn't tell they were supposed to tell us when the the showing was and they didn't and it was that day, so he had to drop everything he was doing and run down here and do a 45-minute drive to look at this house. Oh. So you're going to have yeah. like a game are you guys going to just uh, make a land party and just like run a crazy ethernet cable all the way down the road that was the plan but he was outbid on the house so we're sad oh there we go That's yeah. okay. Could you the, just collides just like okay guys the way it works is i've i've given everyone notices here that when they move out they're letting me know first what we're gonna do is we've got it all planned out so you're gonna go here you're here here and here uh we're gonna set up a secondary network grid over there uh so that we can have a land party uh, at the beginning of every week, uh, we're going to close both the streets uh, and give us half a block and we're going to LARP. Uh, just to let you guys know. Um, and if you don't feel like LARPing, that's okay. We're going to have four D&D tents set up for everyone to enjoy their D&D needs as well. Right. So, sorry, sorry to bother. Sorry to interrupt you in, in talking about Borderlands. No, that's okay. Hey, any talk about Borderlands is good talk about Borderlands. That game is amazing. I'm glad that we're seeing a uh, PS5 and uh, Xbox One transfer over. Uh, the idea that we can actually have four-player co-op on the new systems. Are you excited about that, Kali? Uh, yeah, of course. So we got four-player co-op coming as well as 4K gaming at 60 frames per second. Um, and then with that as well, um, but the DLC, uh, yeah. You get to go into the mind of a psycho bandit, and it's just hilarious because uh, the little bit of story that you get is you go into the mind of the psycho, and then you're trying to help the sane version of Craig uh, help the insane version of himself. Um, So it's pretty hilarious. Obviously, Borderlands comedy ensues. So that was it for me. So, Kalai, what have you been playing this week? Um, I didn't get a chance to play much. I've been very busy, which kind of sucks. I'm kind of going through withdrawal here. Um, because I did play, of course, uh, Borderlands. I also started, because I, I broke down and bought, uh, the new Kingdom of Amalars, The Re-Reckoning. How are you enjoying that? I'm liking it. I mean, I'm five hours in, which is about as far I keep getting is where I quit. But I'm going to keep going this time. I love the game and I can't I, I can't get past the five hour mark for some reason. I don't know why. Um, there's a lot of there's a lot of quests in that game. 
Because you've played that game before, right, Corey? Yeah, I'm just wondering, did you ever play it on PS3 or Xbox 360? Or did you? this is your first time experiencing it? I bought it day one on Xbox 360. Okay. Played five hours. Gotcha. And that's as far as I got and gave the game away. Because I wasn't going to play it. I was going to say, that's about what, where I'm probably at on my original version of the game. That's why, as soon as I heard they were making the, the remastering, I, I, I tried the PS3 version. I'm like, oh, I'll play it so I can beat it and then replay it again. And I played it for about another hour, and I'm like, nah, I'm just going <laughs> to... I'm going to wait. <laughs> well, wait, wait. So, when I got my new computer, it went on sale. It went on sale for like 20 bucks or 15 bucks. I don't remember. Something cheap. I was like, oh. I love this game. I could totally get this game. So I bought the game again on PC. So I'm like, yeah. So I got like an hour into the game. And stopped. Okay. So then they announced the remake. And I'm like, well, there's no sense in me playing the remake. I've already got the original on PC. So it doesn't make any sense. I'm like, well, you know, there's going to be upscale graphics. I'm like, okay, well, that's kind of cool. But I'm still not going to pay $60 for this game again. I'm not doing it. And then they told you it was $30. No, it wasn't 30 If you got it, at, uh, Joe picked it up at... Or no, Joe didn't pick it up or was trying to pick it up at Walmart. They had it on sale after release. And it and Tony Hawk for $33. Wow. I know. Wait. It was 15 on PC. The brand new one? Yes. Oh. There's a catch, though. Okay. The catch was you had to have the original game on oh, PC. Oh, okay. So they let you upgrade for $15. Or for $21, you got the new DLC. So, of course, I had to get the DLC that I'm never going to play, you know. Gotcha. So, it, so wait, wait. So, if you bought the, the for fifteen dollars, okay. So, for fifteen dollars, you got just the upgrade with the the of the old one, and then if you paid the the twenty dollars, then you got the upgrade of the new one plus the new content that they added. Yes, the whole DLC pack. Well, because see, they have the whole DLC. The I don't know if people realize this, and this is something that was really weird because on PlayStation they don't explain it very well. There's two versions of this game, just for people to know. There's the Re-Reckoning, and then there's the Fate version Re-Reckoning. Now, the way it works is the Re-Reckoning version of this game is the entire base game, including all the DLC that came out for the original version of the game. What they did is for the release of this version of the game, they came out with a new DLC pack that's about five to six hours, they quote, of game. That is the Fate DLC. Now, that you have to pay. Um, like I think in Canada here, it's it's funny because it, the base game is the same price on PS4 right now. It sits for forty dollars USD, and it sits for forty dollars USD. But in the digital store for us Canadians, it's fifty three dollars Canadian. But if I buy it physically, it's forty. So I get the American pricing if I buy it physically, but if I buy it digitally, I pay the Cana- I pay the exchange rate. And so it's an extra $20 from that original point to get five hours worth of DLC. Which for me, I'm like, that's a little expensive. But just so everybody knows, they don't really explain it. I got the Fate Edition, which was on sale for me for $21. That's that's a crazy good deal. Well worth it. I know. I know, exactly. So I'm like, I kind of have to get it. So I feel like you have to do a lot of quests in that game. Yes, you do. Because... 
if anybody that's interested in this game, here's the problem with it. The storyline, I believe, ramps up really quickly. So, like, the first story quest might be level 1. The second one, of course, is, like, level 5. Well, by the time you get to the third one, you're level 10. And you have access to that, but I'm always only level 3. So I'm running around doing all these side quests. Um, it is also written by R.A. Salvatore, who is a big D&D guy. I don't know if you know that, Corey. Yeah, and then it's also done, the artist that did all the monsters and everything with that is actually Todd McFarlane. The guy that created Spawn. Uh, Yes, and even more impressive, the original uh, game designer concept artist concept of this game came from a new studio who was run by uh, a uh, player of the Philadelphia Phillies, and that is my favorite baseball team. And the game, if for people that don't know, almost caused the entire state of Portland to go bankrupt. Was it Portland or Maryland? Wherever the, the think, wherever the company's from, either way, it, it's it, it's Maryland because Maryland's a much tinier state than Portland. Yeah, either way, it caused almost the entire state to go bankrupt because of this. And game. Portland is not a state; it's a city. Well, you know what, Clyde? I don't know these things. So, I'm in Canada. That's like if I asked you to tell me that. It's like trying to explain to people, like, "Oh, you live where? I live in BC, British Columbia. Where's that? Well, I actually live on Vancouver Island." In BC, in a place called Nanaimo, they're like, whereabouts is that? I'm like, okay, think of where California is. Go really far up north. Somewhere around on that little region, that's where I am. That's that's my, that's like I was trying to, because I'm just going to bring up this little thing. I talked about how I was streaming on uh, Proving Gamer. For some odd apparent reason, I don't know why Twitch did this to me. I was streaming, and my, my I tell you guys, that first day of me streaming, it looked choppy. It was bad. It was really bad. It looked like it looked like I was running it on a, a Atari twenty six hundred. Like it was, it was terrible. And so we tried to look up and figure out what the problem was. And then I realized, for some odd reason, Twitch thought, "Hey, this guy lives in Canada." Instead of trying to connect him to another Canadian server or Seattle, which is the closest server to me, let's connect him to the Tokyo japan server because that sounds like a great idea so there is like (laughs) a a 15 second delay for anybody watching my stream because it goes all the way to tokyo and then someone's trying to watch it back and i was like yeah so um i was able to with the help of tricky mick there uh figure out how to set that so that it doesn't automatically do that and now the stream looks fantastic or better than it would did so Oh, that's good. Uh, the other game I've been playing is Mario Kart. Just Mario Kart? Which one? The the Switch one? Are we talking the about the yes. new one? Are we talking about the new toy one? No. No, oh, no. Okay. Like Mario Kart. Eight? On iOS. Oh, Kali. Oh. Killing it. Kali, you're killing it. religious here. What are you doing? I, I, I had a purpose, okay? Okay, okay. We'll, we'll, we'll listen to the purpose. So, I'm doing all of the uh, missions to get the free Mario 35 pins for my pin collection. And Are they physical Roberto's pins? Been... Yes, physical pins. 
So, Matt, Roberto knows. Roberto's been to conventions to me. I, I collect uh, the pins. I have a. I actually have a whole banner for all my pins. Jim has a banner for his pins. And I've gotten all of the Nintendo ones in the last couple of years. In fact, this year at uh, PAX East, Nintendo had a booth. And I did not have time to stand in it because I usually work PAX. Well, my husband's co-worker stood in line and got me the pin for my collection. So they announced these Mario 35 pins and you got to do these missions. One of the missions is you have to uh, pre-order the Mario 35 game, which of course I did digitally. You have to take a little trivia, a Mario trivia game, which is really easy. You have to listen to Mario songs off the Mario site through the Mario song maker. So I'm like, I'm just, I, I, I muted my crap and listened to it and I got the credit. And then what you have to do is you have to play the Mario Kart races, the original Mario Kart races that are going on in the uh, iOS or Android version of the game, which was pretty cute, except that I had to play like the first, the first freaking course that you have to play in the circuit is Rainbow Road. Oh, from like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, just like from, it's like from the original Rainbow Road. So it's oh, like the really okay. one. That's where the boys became the men. Yeah. But I keep I keep I keep getting first place, so I can't complain. Cause you're playing against children, Kalai. You're so mean. You just, <laughs> you just you're like, going for those pins. Screw you, little child. I need those pins. You stop playing your you, who cares if mom gave you the iPhone so you could stay quiet in the van or we're, as we're driving across town. I don't care. I'm gonna beat you because I need those pins. I mean, they look like really nice pins. So, is is that acceptable to play Mario Kart on iOS? I mean, if it's for pins, I guess we'll give you the the okay on that one. But besides that, I haven't really been playing anything else, so. Alright, let's head over to our topic of the show, which comes from Roberto. Roberto made a good point. He's missing physical uh conventions like pax east pax west and to supplement that the pax community the comic-con community they're doing everything online so is this a good thing is this a bad thing do we miss conventions do you think they should continue it what do you think roberto in 2020 i feel and i and i hope that the bigger podcasts and professionals do discuss this because we know the pandemic will come to an end one day that they discuss that this is the year that proves that while digital events are very good, versatile, we need physical events more so than ever. They are essential for the long run. And I don't believe that anything else can replace it. Um, like right now, for example, PAX Online and EGX is happening. I haven't seen a, I mean, I've been getting announcements and seeing some trailers and things like that, but. I have not been looking at any panels or anything like that. Uh, it's just like I'm, I'm working and I have my own responsibilities and I just forget that something's going on. I've been meaning to tune in and see what's going on. I mean, granted, the pot, some, some panels are pretty interesting, but it's not the same. Like there's a virtual expo hall and it just takes you to pages of the games that are being showcased and it's cool and all, but it's not... The same as being in a room or in a giant expo hall and seeing the games with your own eyes 
and feeling the energy in the air and being able to walk up and play the game for yourself. Like there's just a very, that energy is extraordinarily contagious and infectious. And you feel that warmth the moment you walk in there, not just a little warmth because of the computers and everything, but you the, also the, feel the smell. Yeah. The smell of, of oh, you definitely feel the smell. This, this <laughs> machine, are we, you don't say that people are machines, Roberto. That's not very nice. <laughs> Yeah, no, 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 just like, no, 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 I meant the machines that the people are working, <laughs> you know, the TVs and all that stuff. Like, like, like when I went to E3, I swear that booth that Nintendo had would have been perfect on t- in Times Square. I have never seen it. Like it, it was radiating heat. Like you got hot in there and it was already hot outside with the LA sun, but like you needed a water bottle in there. Cause it was just like this giant LED Super Smash Brothers and Nintendo Switch. It was it was wild stuff, but um, yeah, like so. I'll break it down here. So the online events are cool. I mean, like you look at you know um, DC Fandom, and you look at some of the other online moments that have happened. The Summer Games Festival, the PC Gamer Show online. Some of that's been good when it's like a singular dedicated event that lasts a couple hours and you see some videos or you see some interviews and it's cool. It just becomes like a big television program and you watch what's going on. And, but then you get something like this and it's like, you just, you kind of just get separated and and you just don't know what's really happening in what order. Uh, Particularly what most recently was uh, the Crunchyroll Expo, which was anime. And I barely caught up with it. There was like a couple of panels here and there, but there's just something where different from, being in a designated location and, and and having your whole day or whole times dedicated to that convention versus your home and you have other things going on at home, you can't just like float around your computer the whole time. So it's 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 a it's a the way I see it, a digital event should complement perhaps for people who can't make the physical event. A digital event should exist to kind of give people the highlights. Or perhaps have them be like a halfway point. You know how like New York Comic Cons once a year, maybe like in, it it usually happens in October. So then maybe, let's see, November, December, January, by March or April, have a, have like a halfway point event of what's going on or what's to expect or announcements or, you know, like a thing like that. Right now I have a bunch of demo codes and demo invites to certain games. It's not the same because like, I have to go on Discord and talk to the developers and things like that. So it's like it almost becomes like a big deal with with uh, like like, you know, like trying to interface and you almost have to spend your whole time around this event. So I guess that's the point. But at the same time, it's just it's it's very different. So I'd have to say, like I said, like digital events are good. Use them when you can, but they will absolutely not supplement or replace packs and e3 and all that i want e3 to come back i want packs to come back i mean obviously let's make sure that we're safe and secure and this pandemic's been taken care of beforehand but uh yeah that's my take on it so uh kalai like uh being that you've been to packs and too many games how are you feeling about all this i mean i like packs i don't miss the crowds i don't miss the con crud i don't miss the scheduling I understand why physical is good, but the good thing that might come out of this are these digital events because 
you combine these digital events with Xbox and Steam jumping on this bandwagon where we're like, okay, we're going to take all of the demos that you can normally, that you normally have to wait and you can only go to a convention and play and we're going to put them up there for free for two weeks. So it's like you're there at the convention and you can play those games and you're reaching an wider audience and I love that. I think going forward when these regular events happen, I think that they should also put them up digitally so that way people around the world can talk about the game. Yeah. You know, I, I, I mean, I suppose I, I get th- that's a good point. I mean, I do wish that there was more PlayStation demos available at this point. I mean, I don't know what to expect tomorrow with the with the showcase. I mean, that might be part of the what you just said, because as of right now, we're recording on the 15th. It's a Tuesday. Tomorrow's the 16th with the PS5 showcase. So it might be possible to have demos of something or, or games uh, down the pipe that might just appear. But I feel you. Like, I, that's one thing I feel that, like, I, I, that Xbox did very well. I don't have an Xbox, so I didn't get take advantage of that. But at the same time, I do respect what they did. Um, still, I think that um, there still is the fact that you do get, like, just exposed to so much more at a physical event. And not to mention, and you know, some of the merch is pretty cool, and the people that you meet are pretty cool. And if you're if you want to make connections, definitely go. But I can feel it, I can understand on that note, like you know, like things like con crud and all that stuff can be very uh troubling, you know, with uh, or like just inconvenient. And then plus, like, um, setting up a booth and things of that sort. Uh, at the same time, like I said, it's like the energy, the the sights, the cosplay, it's like all that stuff I miss. Um, it's it's kind of you know it's like i feel like a part of me is like just it's it's like a battery that needs to be recharged Corey, what you, um what, what yeah, about you? yeah what do you think Corey? yeah so so here's my thing i i think they both need to stay but basically the way like i've never okay i'll be honest i've never been uh when like originally roberto talked about putting the topic and saying hey uh you know uh does everyone miss uh physical uh cons uh, we need them back was like basically going to be the top of the show. And I had to expand it uh, because personally, I've never been to one. Um, I've only been to the digital ones. Right. And for me, um, I see from hearing people's experiences and seeing things the way it is, I, I see cons really as kind of like the, the music concert for music lovers. I mean, at any point in time, I can go onto iTunes. I can listen to uh, a sample of a person's music. I can watch a music video of their song. I can um, basically buy their album if I feel like it. Um, And I can do that all through YouTube and all these other things. Uh, But if I really want to feel it and go to a thing with a bunch of other people that love that band, I'm going to go to a concert. And I kind of see game conventions, anime conventions, all the cons really are are kind of like that. It's more of I could probably get the same experience like Kalai was saying with with now with having digital demos coming out to certain things and with a lot of the developers going, hey, at the same time, especially nowadays, uh, in the last three years, I've never gone to a con, but I've never missed a trailer. That was shown. I've never missed an announcement that was shown because really what happens is Roberto goes to uh, PAX East or PAX West. Uh, he goes there and then he goes, oh, man, I saw so and so they they showed off this game there. Uh, here's a video of it on YouTube if you want to see it. And 
so really yeah i don't get that first hand few seconds of seeing it but nowadays within 10 minutes i can watch it online right um i'm not saying that i wouldn't like to go to a con I'm just saying from the experience of a con, I see the experience of con is more getting to see those people getting that limited merch that might be at that con that you wouldn't see anywhere else. Uh, it's going to be connecting with, hey, I'm going to go to the Bandai Namco uh, booth and they're going to have the new Dynasty Warriors and I'm going to walk in line with someone and they're going to be like, do you like Dynasty Warriors? They're like, yeah, I like Dynasty Warriors. Oh, man, like, what? who's your favorite person in Dynasty Warriors 9? Oh, what would you like to see out of the new game? Or like you get those connections where you won't get those connections watching a YouTube video. Um, And I think that's the big thing is I I think cons are definitely from a game journalist standpoint, cons are great because from our standpoint, um, we really want to ask those questions that we want to know about games because we're trying to like right now uh, with digital cons, um, we all see the information at the same time. So everyone's seeing it at the same time, which means everyone has the same time to put something together. Whereas with those digital cons, like Roberto's talked about before in previous uh, episodes of the show about how he's gone to cons and talked with developers and heard really neat stories uh, with them that they haven't told anybody else. Uh, Those are the type of experiences you'll get at a con that you won't get watching it. You're not going to hear the personal story of a developer uh, through watching a YouTube video. Uh, you're only going to get that going to the con. You're not going to, uh, you, you hear Roberto all the time, especially when he talks about studios that he's met in person. And he's like, yeah, these guys are a bunch of great guys. You know, I've met them before. Uh, you know, they're really, this is how long they've worked on the game. This is what they do in their spare time. Like he, he knows them as people, not just as this company. Right. And that's the real neat thing that I think cons bring to the world physically uh, against digitally. And like I said, I think you need both. Um, I don't want to see cons go away. I will admit that I think E3 is a con, though. I it, it's E3 is weird. I because, can't even argue with that one. Well, I because E E3 originally was built to be a con that was just a con, and then what happened was there was too many people going to it, so they turned it into a straight journalist convention. And that's why it became this big thing, because E3 was, here's the biggest announcements ever, and only journalists are allowed in. Because they, they cut out uh, the actual people to be allowed into it, and that, that would, that's when E3 became big. Because there was no information that was ever going to be shown at that, from a journalist standpoint. And then, uh, between COVID and this whole thing going on, and a couple other things... I think the companies finally realized going, hey, everyone's technically in this day and age, everyone can be an influencer. Roberto's an like like the other day, just to give you guys a a little bit of a thing um, with the world record, I had to apply. I I ended up uh, having a letter that I I, I wrote. I I did a draft for myself. I got someone else to proofread my draft um, and he added it a bit for me so I could send it to someone. I can't tell you guys, I won't give you guys any information past that point because until it all gets confirmed, I'm not going to say anything. But that person, when he edited my letter, he said, to whom it may concern, my name is Corey Braden and I am a games journalist. And I I sat there and I'm like, why would he put that? I, I don't, I don't, I don't review games. I don't like, I don't re- interview people like how am I am a game. And then I thought about it. I'm like, wait a second. 
I take the information I find. I have a, a outreaching thing like this podcast game stuff that I've done for a while. And we talk to people about our opinions, which that's what game journalists do. We're influencers in the gaming industry. And I'm like, oh, okay. So really in this day and age, I think that's why E3 is having a hard time is because there are so many people that are now influencers that they can't limit it to just journalists. But I don't think E3 can survive without being limited to journalists as well. And that's where I think the issue comes with E3. And that's why I don't think E3 will survive. It's too expensive. You're seeing these companies that were paying millions of dollars to go to this thing and show you five minutes. Whereas now we're Nintendo's like, hey, I'm going to just make my own video in-house and put it on YouTube for free. Yeah, but Nintendo channels all that money into like stuff like packs. Well, that's what packs. I mean. But but they still have their directs, right? The 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 money they would have, like they go to PAXs and stuff like that, which is really neat. And that's what I mean. They're able to put their money into PAXs, but they're putting their money into here's something for you to see, physically touch. Here's a booth. Here's product. Here's uh, a controller. Here's a switch to get your hands on and play this game. Instead of going, here's the $2 million we had to spend uh, booking a stage to say, this is what's coming, right? And I think that's the greatest thing Nintendo ever did is Nintendo really kind of changed the the industry and went, hey, look, guys, we don't need stages anymore to show people what we have coming. We can just put out a video on YouTube and then put the money into cons and getting this stuff physically in people's hands. And I think that's the biggest move that people did for it. And that's what I love about physical cons. It gets people like. Kalia, the amount of times I've heard you talk about, I went to this con and like, it's always with people. I hear people where they go, I was searching in this con for this company because I've been following this game. And you keep on talking about Boyfriend Dungeon. (laughs) And I know, like, how many cons have you been where you've played that? One. But I mean, you remember that playing time, right? Like, that's your thing. You're like, I remember picking that up in my hand. If you didn't, if you just saw the trailer of it that they showed that we saw it, uh, whatever the event was digitally, would you feel you had the same experience? I mean, to be perfectly honest, yes, if I could play it at home, because the game's amazing. It's just, it's different. No, but what I mean is, if you didn't get the chance to play it, and you only got to see the trailer that I got to see, would you have the same? I would still want to buy it, so (laughs) that's a bad example. That's a bad example. But there's been, I'm sure there's been games that I've played at packs that I wouldn't have picked up or, or even thought about picking up. Actually, do you know what? It's a good example is Void Bastards. If you would have gone to a, it maybe it was at a packs. I don't know. Probably. Um, if you would have gone to a packs and played it beforehand, and you knew that game was coming out, you would have probably bought it day one. I know Xbox Game Pass is what gave you that opportunity to play it for free, right? It was something you would have never tried. Well, technically, I mean, it wasn't Xbox. Apparently. Oh, apparently I had gotten it in a humble bundle and I didn't realize it. So the entire time that we've been saying, hey, we got to get Xbox Game Pass. It's been in a humble bundle. Void Bastard has been in a humble bundle. Yeah, because it's produced by Humble Bundle. Well, see, there you go. That makes more sense now. But that's my whole point, though, right? <laughs> is that the, the thing I find is that there's certain games or certain things we would never try unless we went to a convention. 
it's the same idea as if you go to a carnival, you got to play carnival games, right? Everyone loves the carnival game experience. We all knew we we're losing money. We still play that stupid ring toss game. We're like, oh, let's go wing a prize, even though we know it's 10 cents. But it's the experience that that is the reason why we play those carnival games, right? And I think that's the big thing is that going to cons is the experience is what people want from that. And I agree, we should keep that experience. But I also agree that for people that are busy lives that can't go to a con or like me that lives in Canada, when the closest con to me is, I think, uh, is there one in Seattle? Probably. But is it big? No. Um, I mean, that's the whole thing, right? For me, uh, I would have to fly. Wait, you just say Seattle? Yes. Packless is out there. Oh, okay. Yeah. It's like, and that's like, that's like the original PAX before it moved east. So So, so either way, for me to go do that, it would be, well, I'd have to take probably a week off of work, uh, give or take six hours of driving there and back, going across the border, claiming all my merch once I get past the border, all the tickets cost, like it's, it'd probably cost me a couple thousand, like I know I looked at doing um, BlizzCon one time, and it was going to cost me, if I was able to get tickets, it was going to cost me flights and everything, it was going to cost me close to $5,000 to go. And that's the thing, right? For people that don't aren't close to these things, it's really hard for those people to get that. And it's nice that finally those conventions are going, hey, for those people at home, here you go. Here's a little taste of something, right? Right. And here's the other thing, is that even the conventions I go to aren't cheap. Because, first of all, Tax East, I don't even stay. Like, the first time we went to Pax East, we were like, oh, the following year, what we're going to do is we're going to stay in one of those hotels that are tacked. Right to the convention center. So that way we could just walk across. We don't have to drive to the convention center or anything. Or take tra- transportation. Dude, you know how expensive those... those uh, and then you, find out why, then you find out why all the uh, all the big gaming channels have it where they book one hotel room and four of them sleep in it. And then one person sleeps in the bathtub. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There's a reason for that. I am too old to be sharing a room with somebody. I have too many, like, bizarre medical problems to have to, to like worry about that crap Call- so why are you waking me up again the- using the toilet i had to go pee it's- i'm trying to sleep in the bathtub leave me alone <laughs> stop turning yeah, on the light I- <laughs> i've been i've been lucky with with east uh stack up i mean i slept on the couch but um it wasn't a bad couch it was a comfortable couch you're exhausted it you know you do it for a couple days and you do save a ton of money and then you know you do what you can with food um West is a bit difficult so because it's like it's it's like the the space is more limited. So, um, but yeah, it, it gets pretty pricey out there depending where you go. Like, it, 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 you know, and, and, and how close you are to the convention center and all that stuff. And flights, that's the the big. Oh my god, you know, it's 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 always just so expensive to go out there. You know, even uh, just it's horrible. Um, I mean, I've been lucky with flights going to Boston because it's only an hour, but. Seattle's always been a pain in the butt. Um, I got lucky with E3 also. So, yeah, I, I think that that's another thing, too, like with the physical events there. They they do not, unless you're riding with media, they do not, they are not cheap. I mean, if you ride with media, you are going to save some money with the badge. Maybe you're going to save some money with accommodations. But if, you're if also you're, if gonna, you're lucky, yeah. Yeah, but yeah. You have to get lucky first, and 
you have to hope that your savings are good and all that stuff. And then that's and that's just the the basics. It's not even the merch and the food and you know uh, what do you like any other extra stuff? You know, like because these conventions, like some of these people make money off the merch and selling physical copies of games or selling T-shirts or whatever, and they te- they try and empty the hell out of everything they bring. So uh, it's it's like it's dicey there. So. I feel like, though, despite that, it just depends on who you are and, and what your resources are. And if you really want it, um, it's there, you know. And um, on the well, flip side, the cool the thing, point, right? There's stuff that's going to be there that you would never see. Like, I went to, I went to, I, I guess I, I did go to one con, quote unquote. Kali's going to laugh at me. I went to a Magic Fest. <laughs> Right, yeah. Dude, no, no, I went to a ColecoVision con. I guess so. So we're both in the same boat of going to... So I went yeah. to a Vancouver one, which was the smallest one they do. To give you an example, there was still, like, a crazy amount of people that were there, but it wasn't anywhere close to some of the other ones. It was like a single conference room. But in my life of magic cards, in sense of seeing things there's like the 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 big cards the power nine they like to call them where if you see these things they are thousands and thousands of dollars like so the 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 one golden treasure the black lotus is can be up to 30 cardboard okay i went to this con and i'm like this is the small one and i'm watching people sell these cards for cash at these booths, and I'm seeing, like, I watched one of my buddies I went with. He like, hey, I have these cards here. What are they worth to you? Seven thousand. And I watched him bargain, and he's like, okay, what? Six and a half? Six and a half? Okay, sure. Counts out hundreds. Here's six and a half thousand dollars. I'm like, are you are you kidding me right now? I'm like, and that's the thing when you go to these cons, you get to see games that are like, hey, you want to see a rare one of a kind game that's worth whatever and i'm like i i great thing i can see this i can't afford it but i can see it it's like you watch those comic-con uh magic does it too where they have the hasbro con and like they have limited comic-con cards and stuff like that like my little pony set that came out and things like that and dragon sets and zodiac sets and whatever but like i know games games and figurines pop figures all the time you see those crazy like limited time con uh pop figures and then they go for like hundreds and hundreds of dollars yeah and you know what comic-con started doing you have to be in a raffle to go buy them now i know because they were so they're like they're so because what they did is they were doing them online for a bit there which also hooped the pooch but i know that's where a lot of those things that's like you have to get into a raffle to be there to then win the raffle to then win your opportunity to buy them i'm like holy cow I'm like, this is craziness. And like I say, like, there's things you'll see that I may never be able to afford, but to like sit and see those things in, with my own eyes is like, that's neat. That's the experience that I think going to a physical con would be super experience. And like, the cool thing is, is like, for example, I'm in Canada. As we've explained, I'm way away from everybody. If I could get myself a plane ticket, fly down to. PAX East, which would be what? PAX East and what? Boston? Where is it? Boston. Yeah. If I could fly to Boston and then, you know, we could actually do a live show together with all of us 
at PAX East. That would be a cool experience. I would pay to do that experience. That's the experience that I would like to go to is going to a convention with Joe, going to a convention with Berto and Fly and Andy and Steve and like the trophy whores and the dual screens and the loop rows, like going to a convention and seeing everyone. That's the experience that would be neat for me. That's worth my money. Is it worth it for me to go and smell a bunch of people not showering and stinking like arm repair sweat and having to plug my nose because it's so bad and, you know, being squished together with everybody else and probably someone groping my butt or something? I don't know. But is it wor- will I see that being worth it if I get to have that other experience with it? 100%. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> That's one of the things that makes the cons for me is because I actually go with the same group of people because uh, I usually work the cons for my friends. And and there are creeps there. And that's one of the things that I don't get from a digital standpoint is that I don't have to deal with the, those creeps. We've we've had guys that I mean, I sell a card game at the convention and I've had guys I had a guy walk up. He comes to every single PAX. Apparently, he likes to hit on any of the male staff, if you know what I mean. And he'll be like, I I watched him ask a developer of a board game who put a lot of money to get all those copies produced for this, for the con. And he was like, can I buy your demo set? Because it will be cheaper for me. Like, he was so cheap, he didn't want to buy a brand new copy of a game he liked. Yeah, and like I said, that's that's where everything in the world is going to always have something like those negative people to it as well. But at the same time, um, you know, for every one negative aspect, there's going to be hundreds and hundreds of positive things that come out of these cons. And and that's that. Well, sorry, in a good con. Um, And like I say, um, that's why they need to keep going, because if they don't keep going, then, you know, like cosplayers, I feel bad for them right now. Like, Mm -hmm. They it, it is one of the like cosplayers and all like professional cosplayers are I I they are dedicated and what they do is not easy at all. And for them right now, I know a lot of them are hurting because they can't go. That That's how they get their publicity. That is one of their big things. They go right. to the con and they're like, hey, look, I am this character from this new game from Far Cry or from Marvel's Avengers or whatever. And um, they're the ones that get the recognition at cons. They like go, hey, you I, f- yeah. Like I'll and, not to, to to add to your point. Yeah. When I d- interned at ninety five nine the rat, there was a similar in a similar nature. They uh, the golden rule I learned about concerts. That's where all the money is made. Uh, going to concerts for the art music artists. Like you can have your music on Spotify or Pandora. But all the money is made at these concerts. So that's why when you when you pledge to a concert, you hope from, from the beginning to the end that everything goes as smoothly as possible because that's where all the money is made. So similarly, I like to think of that with video games. Like that's where you get the publicity and the money and, and so on and so forth. Uh, continue. Well, that was pretty much what I was going to say is that when it comes to some things like you talk about indie developers all the time, um, indie developers don't have the time to professionally make a video and find a way for it to reach online to, to, to for people to see. Um, uh, like if you go to a, a con 
you're going to walk back past a bunch of booths. Uh, you might be walking and all of a sudden this thing flashes up on a screen. You're like, what is that? That looks interesting. Let me go see. And then you walk up and you see it. Whereas if the same developer was to release a video on YouTube being a brand new developer, no followers, no nothing. Maybe someone will see it if it's really, 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 really good. It will make its way up the ladder. And at some point, someone will recognize it. Um, it's the kind of the idea of like Roberto goes, what have you been playing? Roberto talks about games that he's seen. He's met at cons all the time or he's played personally with these indie developers. And like Roberto always says, these developers don't get enough um, fame for what they do. Um, And the problem is with that is because in all honesty, unless we're pushing them or someone else is pushing them and giving them those recognition, um, nobody's going to really know about them. Right. And cons for them are what make them popular. And that's the, the scary thing is without these physical cons, I'm really worried for indie developers personally. Um, I don't know about that. I mean, I know a lot of indie developers have been really reaching out with Twitter and Discord as a way to interact with people and get their game out there. It's it's still as tough though because it's like it's you know especially with the 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 landscape of social media as we know it it's it's a blessing and a curse. Um, there's some people right now who are probably like they're toning down on social media. Like I know. There's some people who are tweeting less and less because they just they can't stand the the you know the toxicity of it all the the hot takes and that's like for from a variety of aspects you know we got politics it's an election year there's also terrible takes just from the geek community like I mean not to go off on a wild tangent here but I'm seeing people compare Batman to all the rest that we're seeing and the reason why there's police brutality is because of Batman and I'm seeing takes like that and it's enough no, to where no, no. i just want to like shut down I just want to yeah i just want to say we shall not talk about batman on this podcast because we are not blowing ourselves to the loop brothers Oof. Oof. <laughs> that's a that's a sting right there uh but my <laughs> wow uh but my point being is like there's just stuff like that and that's just the beginning i i, I mean i have seen I honestly think Virgil from Dante's Inferno would would want his soul to just like would be desperately trying to rescue his soul if he saw Twitter. Like you know, it's 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 beginning to feel darker than hell sometimes, and that's like. But like you said, you know, like that doesn't stop people from from broadcasting. Hey, you know, this is a game that's out. Check it out. Like literally, like uh, as of this recording, there's a game I'm working on that comes out this week from the guy that made uh, Gun- Gunman Clive and. It looks great, and um, it's beat em up. It's similar to Streets of Rage, and um, I can't wait to try it out. So I am saying that, admitting that, like now, like people are starting to maybe maximize their capabilities of social media versus just uh, you know using it to share a thought or sell, share like memes or cats and things like that. Maybe there's people out there who feel that they really want to use it to um, to create you know create meaningful connections. That's one of the golden rules I learned back in the day that Twitter is to make connections. Facebook is just to be popular. So there's that type of thing to consider as well. Uh, yeah. So I think though that still, despite this fi- having physical events is still for an indie developer is still important. Granted, I think it'll be interesting to see how it shapes from here on out, because like I said, the, the, the pandemic will end one day. 
and you know we'll have a vaccine and it's going to take a while for it to be deployed and everything but um it will come to an end and we'll be able to have conventions again it's not normal is going to be redefined however you know i'm thinking people will be very health conscious about being in enclosed spaces handshakes and so on and so forth but until like that eventually dissipates or that might or maybe that won't dissipate i don't know and i imagine that there's going to be people now thinking about having booth space at a physical event versus having an online space at an online event, which is still going to cost money. You know, if, if you reserve a spot on an online event, but it's not going to probably be as, as taxing or as financially draining as it is to have a physical table and everything. I think right now though, um, online needs some work. Um, I'd say that if we're going to switch to more online, then there should be a PlayStation showcase an Xbox showcase, a Nintendo showcase, uh, you know, you might have to segregate and, 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 and build like little ice, like maybe not segregate. Okay. That's a bad word. I won't, I won't use that. Uh, I'll take that back. But what I'm trying to get at is create isolated events specifically geared towards people of that event. And then subsequently use that and try and maximize on that. Since that's like, like, like tomorrow's PS5 showcase, like that's for PlayStation people make more events that appeal specifically to a singular audience. So um, that might work and improve uh, certain areas. I'd have to say that make sure that if you are broadcasting this event, get a big presence on Twitch and YouTube, so on and so forth. So in the meantime, while the digital events get uh, refined, I think that physical is still very important. You're just not oh, gonna, right. yeah. You're just not gonna get an experience elsewhere. Okay, that's my last thought. <laughs> okay, sorry about that, yeah, Roberto. Yeah. You got you got anything else, uh, Corey? Or do you think we should land this plane? I mean, that's that's like I say. I I agree with everything that we need both physical and uh, uh, digital as well. And I agree with Roberto. I think actually both events need work in some extent. I would love to see uh, a physical events sent where maybe um kind of like they do when you see um like basketball games or like in the sports industry when playoffs happens and things like that where uh in Canada anyway like when in the NHL when we see one team make it and the other teams don't because we don't have that many teams um what ends up happening is that if they're in the finals you'll see maybe one of the local arenas will have the game showing there or uh, one of the convention centers will have the game showing there. And it's something where it'd be really neat to see if we do go to the sense of PAX where it's like, hey, look, here's PAX East. If you want to see everything and all of its beautifulness, it's here. Um, here's a place where you can go where we'll have some of the things that are there. It won't cost you as much, but it's in your local place that's just down the street. Right. It would be neat to kind of have that cross between physical and digital where like, hey, you want to go to a place and watch the digital event and play all the games that the digital event has, uh, but do it at your local game store down the street. These are the licensed guys that are doing that. That would be super sweet. That would be a cross of the, the two that I would love to see. I'd love to go to my local EB games tomorrow and sit with a bunch of people and be like, hey, let's watch that PlayStation event together. That would be neat. Um, and that's where I hope that we can see that one day. 
All right. Uh, so thank you for listening. If you do like us, please subscribe and rate us. We're on Twitter at GameStuffCast. I am at Kalai21. That's K-A-L-A-I, the number 21. Joe is at Mr. TMNT. That's capital R, lowercase, capital M, lowercase R, capital T-M-N-T-84. Uh, we have Corey at The Grounded Gamer. That's double D, no E. And we have Roberto at Jehuti88. That's J-E-H-U-T-Y. You can search for our Facebook uh, group. It's called Game Stuff Podcast. Ask for an invite. We'll invite you. Uh, we do have a Patreon page. It's patreon.com forward slash premium gamer. I also want to let you know we're sponsored by Amazon. Just go to provengamer.com, click on any Amazon link, and do your shopping like normal. It helps out the site and doesn't cost you any money. We are also partnered with Humble Bundle. So just follow the show notes, uh, click on that link, go do your shopping. It helps out our charity, which is the Extra Life, which is a charity uh, devoted to helping sick children. Which, uh, Corey, are you going to be participating in the Extra Life event this year? Sorry. Sorry about that. Uh, Yeah, if everything works out great for me, um, I should be able to do Extra Life this year. Um, I know I haven't been able to do it the last couple of years, but yeah, my plan is definitely to do Extra Life this year and uh, possibly do something else with Extra Life involved. Uh, I'll tell you guys more about that later. Uh, if you do like our show, check out our other shows, The Trophy Horse. Um, I also want to thank Isaac Sego for our logo and the band Take Away the Ugly. Uh, all of the information for those guys are in my show notes, so go check them out. So. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you on the next episode of Game Stuff. Thanks for tuning in, guys. May the force be with you. Stay well and safe out there. Wear a mask, please. Come join me on uh, the Proven Gamer uh, Twitch, and as always, stay grounded. <laughs>